listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Continuing in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, today's verses will be 26 to 34. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, and puts forth large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. But he did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thanks, Jim, for that reading. So parents, how are we doing? Are the kids hanging in there? good? It's actually like surprisingly quiet and peaceful. This is awesome for Family Sunday. Um, Let's get right into things though. Um, We are in week two of Advent um, and for our teaching series in this season we're looking at these parables from Jesus uh, found in Mark chapter four. Just to review a little bit from last week, um, when we talk about parables we're talking about stories that work as metaphors. You take an example from everyday life, something that's familiar, something that's recognizable and easy to understand, and you use that thing to teach a deeper reality. That's a parable in a nutshell. Um, Last week, we looked at the parable of the sower. It's this famous story Jesus tells about a farmer who's scattering seed on the ground. The seed falls on all sorts of different soil. There's good soil, there's rocky soil, there's thorns. Some of it takes root and produces crops. Some of it doesn't. But the stuff that does take root yields this miraculous harvest of a hundredfold. And we talked about how that parable points to this upside-down reality God is bringing into the world through Christ and how not everybody is going to be on board with that reality. We're going to talk more about this upside-down reality today, and we've got some more seed parables uh, to help guide the way on this. Jesus used a lot of stories connected to farming and agriculture, probably very relevant for all the farmers in his audience. It might be a little bit less relevant for us today, though, um, especially if you grew up in the city like me or in the suburbs. 
Um, earlier this week, was, as I was thinking about this, I came across these ads on Facebook. Um, they're from a nonprofit called Face Your Farmer. Uh, it's this organization that connects um, kids from cities, like urban youth, with farming and agriculture, kind of seeing where their food comes from. Um, but what this nonprofit did is they styled their ads like those anti-drug PSAs from the 90s. These are hilarious. Um, we got this one here. One in five teenagers will experiment with farming. <laughs> and the fine print is like, talk to your kids about farming. Um, here's another one, we've got two here. Digging is the gateway to gardening. Uh, and then you've got this, this mom talking to her son. I found heirloom seeds in your room. We need to talk. This is way too funny for me. Um, two more, I promise, only two more. Um, answer me honestly, how long have you been planting? And this last one, warning parents to know the warning signs of farming. Amazing. Um, it says very little to do with the sermon, by the way. Um, I just want to share it. I guess, I mean, it's farming, so I guess it's like uh, tangentially related. Um, but I just wanted to share this all with you while we're on the topic, because uh, it gave me a good laugh this week. All right. <clears throat> Let's reread the seed parables to kind of reorient ourselves. Enough of the silliness. Um, Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 26. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the, world, the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. That last part there is key, pretty important. Uh, last week with the parable of the sower, we actually got Jesus's interpretation. Mark gave us like Jesus's meaning of the parable. But for these two about seeds, all we get are the stories. The only clue, the only hint we're given to interpret these two seed parables is that they have something to do with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is as if someone was scattering seed on the ground. What else can we compare the kingdom of God to? It's like a mustard seed that grows into the greatest of shrubs. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to guess we're a little bit less familiar with the idea of the kingdom of God in this room, uh, not a concept that we talk about a lot, I think, in the church today. Jesus talked about it all the time. Most of the parables are about the kingdom of God. Um, whenever he preached the gospel, it was always the gospel of God's kingdom. By contrast, when we hear the word gospel today, we're not usually thinking about a kingdom. We're usually thinking of like a sales pitch, right? Like, the gospel is usually a formula. It's a series of steps. Uh, believe this, say this prayer, make this confession, and then you get to go to heaven. That's usually what we mean by gospel. 
But when Jesus announced the gospel, it was the gospel of God's kingdom. When we talk about the gospel today, we're thinking about going to heaven, but when Jesus talked about the gospel, he was talking about heaven coming to earth. Now, the very idea, the very concept of a kingdom is going to be hard for us to grasp. I'm pretty sure most of us have never lived under a king, right? Any, any like, exceptions? Anyone here, like, ever live in England or something like that? Not that the English monarch has any power, but has anyone ever lived under a king? I guess not. The president is not a king, thank goodness. Um, we live in the age of democracy, for now at least. No one's laughing at that? It's all right. We live in the age of democracy. Let's hope that it stays that way. Um, the very idea of living in a kingdom, even God's kingdom, is pretty foreign to us, pretty backwards. But the ancient Israelites knew what it was to live under a king. The Israelites were never even supposed to have a king. Did you know about that? Like, if you read the Old Testament, like, most of it is the story of the kings of Israel, but they were never supposed to have a king. Like, originally, when Moses leads them out of uh, Egypt into the Promised Land, the original plan is that there would be no human king in Israel because God would be their king. But after the Israelites settled in the land, they start to get restless. They see all their neighbors with these powerful kings leading large armies, and they say, hey, we want that. Give us a king like our neighbors. So God gave them a king. The first Israelite king was a guy named Saul. I think we got a picture of Saul up here. Uh, king Saul was a hot mess. He was selfish. He was arrogant. He didn't listen to God. And so God took the kingdom away from him. And God gave the kingdom to a guy named David. How many of us are familiar with King David? We've heard that name before. Yeah. Uh, David uh, wrote some of the Psalms. Um, he killed Goliath when he was a kid. That's a wonderful little story about a child engaging in warfare. Um, king David, he was an okay king. He was all right. He was probably like net positive on the whole. But David did some really bad stuff. David did some stuff that was so bad, we can't even talk about it with the kids in the sanctuary. David died, and his son Solomon became king. King Solomon is remembered for being very wise. He was the wisest man who'd ever lived. Um, Solomon even built the temple in Jerusalem, except that he built the temple with slave labor. Solomon built a temple to the God who had led his people out of slavery using slaves. Are we sensing a theme with the kings yet? They were a nightmare. They were violent, corrupt, evil, all that terrible stuff in the Old Testament that we don't like to read about. Most of it is telling the story of these kings. After a few centuries of that, all these corrupt, evil kings, God got rid of Israel's king, and the Babylonian Empire rose up, conquered the land, carried the people into exile where they served the king of Babylon. After Babylon came Persia and their kings. After Persia came Greece and their kings. By the time of Jesus, God's people were living under the occupation of the Roman Empire and their king, a guy named Caesar. All told, 
from King Saul to Rome, it's about 11 centuries, 1,100 years of living under these corrupt, uh, narcissistic, power-hungry human kings. Somewhere along the line, the people started wondering, what if we'd have listened? What if God was our king? What if instead of the empire of Rome, the empire of Babylon, the empire of America, what if we were citizens of God's empire? What would the world look like if God was running the show, if God was in control? I know, like, God is in control, of course, don't get antsy about that, but, like, what if God didn't have any competition? What if God was king and we didn't have to worry about the greed and the violence of narcissistic rulers? What if God was king and we didn't have to worry about forces like sin and death, corruption? What if God brought heaven down to earth and established God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? Well, that would probably be the end of violence. That would be the end of injustice and inequality. If God was king, God could erase malice from our hearts and establish true justice and true peace once and for all. If God was king, there'd be peace on earth, goodwill to all people. If God was king, there'd be joy to the world. No more would sin or sorrows grow. The kingdom of God is basically all that stuff we sing about in our Christmas carols. That upside-down reality Jesus was pointing to with the parable of the sower, that's the kingdom of God. That's the good news that we celebrate and yearn for during Advent. Can I be honest, though? I love those Christmas songs. They're great, and especially uh, this time of year, it's the right time to be singing them, not like, not like October, but like singing them now, getting in the Christmas zone, it's amazing. But sometimes all those old Christmas carols ring a little hollow for me, if I'm honest. Sometimes when we sing about peace on earth and joy to the world, I can't help but think that there's not a lot of joy out there. There's not much peace. You see joy, but you also see a lot of suffering. If God is king, why do we have to wait? If God is king, why is it so hard to see that reality right now? And that's when I come back to these parables. Maybe the kingdom of God is like a seed planted in the ground. It's growing. We're not sure how, but it's taking root. It's permeating the cold, dark, dead ground right under our noses. When we look at the dirt, we might not see a thing, but the seed is there, slowly working to bring about new life. 
There's a reason we celebrate Advent in the winter, when it's cold and dark and the days are getting shorter and shorter. There's also a reason we don't celebrate Christmas in the spring, when like flowers are in full bloom and it's warm and the birds are singing. No, we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, four days after the shortest day of the year. But it's right as you start to notice that the days are getting longer and the light is starting to creep back in. Maybe the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's one of the smallest of seeds, tiny. You can barely even see it. And yet no matter how big and dark and cold and brutal the world can seem, it's no match for the life-giving power of that tiny little seed. When you plant a mustard seed in the ground and wait, it eventually sprouts, becoming the largest of shrubs. Notice, Jesus calls it the largest of shrubs. That's not usually how we remember it. We remember it as the largest of trees, right? When you tell that story, it's the smallest of seeds, but it's the largest of trees. No, it's the largest of all shrubs. I think where we go wrong, when we think about God's kingdom, where I go wrong when I start to get jaded and cynical and skeptical, is I expect the kingdom of God to operate like a human kingdom. I expect God's kingdom to come charging in bombastically, taking over with all the pomp and circumstance, turning things on their head like a human king would do it. But the kingdom of God doesn't work like that. God's kingdom doesn't operate through violence or coercion. No matter how much some Christians might like to think it does sometimes. The kingdom of God is like a seed in the ground has to die to bring about new life. The kingdom of God is small and humble like a shrub. It's working behind the scenes. Even when you do catch a glimpse of it, when that little glimmer of light breaks through, it's not a giant tree. It's a bush. It's like a flower just coming into bloom. God's kingdom looks like folks volunteering in a soup kitchen, or a college student serving in an after-school program. The kingdom of God looks like a meal cooked for a neighbor who's just come out of the hospital, or someone whose faith is restored. The kingdom of God looks like an activist who works day after day making little strides toward justice. God's kingdom are those little glimpses of light we get. The evidence that God's spirit is present among us, working, doing new things, bringing about new life. Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is in our midst. Elsewhere, he says that the kingdom of God is in our hearts. God's kingdom is breaking through, not violently, but almost like a candle flame that slowly fills an entire dark sanctuary with light until our eyes adjust and we see everything differently. Jesus gives us these seed parables to remind us in those dark moments 
that the kingdom of God is at work sowing hope even in the darkest of times. Let's pray. God, the days are getting shorter and the earth is growing cold. But you have given us hope in the form of a mustard seed. God, help us to trust, help us to believe, help us to see your kingdom reality breaking into our world this Advent. Help us to be faithful to you so that we may participate in that reality and shine your love into a dark world. We ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.